Aloha. If you want Hawaiian, just like me. What is this? What is this? Oh, wait, let me show you that half. Anybody know what is this? Okay, hold that thought now. Hold that thought. Okay? And just remember that I'm still in sanctification. Sanctification means the process. So if you laugh at me, I'm okay. And you can tell me what I told you earlier. Hawaiian, take them to the Lord. Okay? So you guys got to check this out. During the week, man, I had an awesome time with the Lord, you know, studying for this text. And man, so the first day, um, which was Sunday, actually, this past Sunday, right after church, we had a staff meeting, and I was all pumped up, you know, all excited. Then I got to meet with uh, Carl Marcus and Brother Jacob back there. Man, we're speaking into each other's lives. I was feeling holy, holy, holy. And then everybody went home. So I go inside the office, you know, using the office for study. Now, if you know anything about Kauzik, this Hawaiian is pretty upgrade kind of Kauzik, you know, like Hawaiian kind. So you get all the, all the high biological, high-tech kind of stuff out there, this one of them, you know. So you can laugh, Hawaiians, when time for laugh, but please don't laugh too hard, okay? So I will show you guys what happened. This thing was over here. I was on the side. Just pretend this couch chair. So I'm sitting on a couch chair, Hawaiian. Sitting on a couch chair. Sitting on a chair. I stay like this. I pray. I look around, home, you know, big TV. Get all kinds of resources. Get choke books, you know, back. Hawaiian, I'm not even a certified, ordained pastor. I feel like I'm pastor in that chair. <laughs> I turn around like this and look. Get this thing over here. I think it's a sitting now. Hoins. I never know if I call him Siri or call him Alexa. <laughs> but wait, wait, Hoins, wait, wait. I lean back. I've been praying for articulation and communication. Okay? So I look back at the charger. I don't know, never know what's on charger. So I see thinking. Siri? Nah, you look too advanced for Siri. So I throw them out. So my text today. Yeah. Man, I like laugh already. Don't do it. Don't do it, Karen. Don't do it. Because I feel so smart. So I come on. Okay. So I lean back over there this ago. Alexa, <laughs> commentary, Henry Blackaby, <laughs> on Mark 3, 7 through 12, and I wait, I look around, sit quiet, the only things that make you noise is the AC, I want to check this out. If I ever felt dumb, <laughs> that was the time. So I think, ladies, to myself, maybe your name not Alexa. <laughs> but you know, Hawaiians, I don't kind of Hawaiian, one time learn enough. But I'm not going to lie to you, I was thinking about calling them Siri. <laughs> so, 
And I'm warm to there. I left for me. So, but what is all going to happen? Make like this the phone, okay? And the reason why all of this is happening is because the Hawaiian get the upgraded stuff. Cozy, cozy. He get the upgraded stuff. So I'm thinking, right, everything I need is right here. So I grab my phone and then I figure I'm out, oh, this must be one of those chargers. Hawaiian, my phone is on. On I-1400s, okay? On I-5. I put them down like that. I don't see no light, no lightning bolt, nothing going on, nothing charging. Though I never like do the Siri thing and look dumb or feel dumb again, more dumb. <laughs> I felt even more dumb, knowing that this was on charger and my phone wasn't charging. You know what the lesson? Hawaiian, you gotta do the research. <laughs> you gotta go check them out, ask questions. That way you know. So, thank you for being easy on me. Not laughing too hard because I was crying hard in the back. I was thinking, how oh, I want is wrong with you. <laughs> That's why you need Jesus. All right, all right, all right. So, last week and the week before, we are continuing a series, and, we are, and the series is called The Life of the Ministry. And we are looking at the book of the Gospel of Mark. And we, if you are new to this church, we do expository teaching. simply means we go book by book study. And um, two weeks ago, Kao Zeke talked about Jesus being the Lord of the Sabbath. Last week, Kao Marcus shared the response to Jesus from the Pharisees, which Pharisees never changed because they what? Pharisees. And, and from the man with the withered hand who was changed. So today I want to continue to the same theme, and my sermon today is entitled, The Journey. Everybody say, The Journey. The journey. And I want you to keep that in mind as we journey through the text together. Want to please have everybody stand as we, as we read the Word of God. Why do we read the Word of God? Because God is holy. His Word is holy. So why shouldn't we stand? Amen? Okay. Mark chapter 3, verse 7 through 12 says, Jesus withdrew with his people to the sea, and a great crowd followed from Galilee and Judea. And verse 8 says, And Jerusalem and Idumea and beyond the Jordan and from Tyre and Sidon. When the great crowd heard all that he was doing, they came to him. And he told his disciples to have a boat ready for him because of the crowd. Least they crush him. For he had healed many, so that all who had diseases pressed around him to touch him. And whenever the unclean spirit saw him, they fell down before him and cried out, You are the Son of God. And he strictly ordered them to not make him known. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this time. We thank you for this time to make much of you and less of us. God, we pray, Lord, that your word will be spoken the way you want it to be. We pray that the hearts will hear, that they will hear you. And Father, Lord, we pray, Lord, that your word will bring clarity to the text. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, and God's chosen soldiers said, Amen, amen. So today my goal is to, if you like me, 
I got to visualize. I got to be able to see. Yeah. If I cannot visualize, I cannot connect. Therefore, I cannot understand. Okay? So, the hope is to bring clarity to the text in such a way that we can apply them. So, the question is, if you cannot understand, if you get hard thing thinking, and if the word is too kind of crazy for you, as Hawaiians, we're simple. And if you're not Hawaiian, it's too simple. So the daily is for make them simple in such a way that we can understand. If not, why are we here? How many? All right, all right, all right. So today, short lesson, yeah, depends. <laughs> get three points. So in my points, we'll be looking at several men and women of the Bible to see what journeys they took and what it looked like pre-Christ or before Christ. And actually, when Christ really got involved in their life, when God still really started to make a difference, when they really truly understand or understood what intimacy with God says. Now, it doesn't say all of that, but as you grow in Christ, that's what happens. You grow intimate with Christ. God builds a relationship. So let's take a look at this map of Israel. You guys can see that? Okay. So... I'm not going to give you all the total logistics, so that's not me. But what I'm going to give you is what you need. Okay. So when you look at the first, the first verse, 7 and 8, you see that people came from all over the place. They all gathered. Why? Because they, wanted, they heard what Jesus was doing. They wanted to get to Jesus, touch, touch Jesus, and hopefully that they will be healed in whatever way that they needed to be healed. Does that make sense? Okay. So... People would travel from Edomia to Galilee. And I just want to drop this as, 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 as on bonus now. And praise God to my, my brothers who helped me. So Judea and Samaria, they had trips, honey. You know, there was rivals. So just imagine now, everything back then, you already know, they never have cars. You know, everything was by, by foot. To the most was by one donkey or one horse. So... So check this out, Hines. Yeah, here's the visual. Visualize this. Hines is walking. I'm not walking. But they're walking all the way, traveling miles and miles away just for see Jesus. Okay? Mind you now, Judea and Samaria, as I said before, they get pilikia. They get problems. They get trips. So, you think the people of Judea are going to cross through Samaria? So imagine that they're walking all the way around. So they're going to walk around, Judea, probably go to, what is that, Pereira, and, and, and so forth. What's my point in sharing you guys this? The journey. Yeah? They, they traveled however far they had to, to get what they needed to get. That makes sense? Yeah? Now, forgive you guys some numbers. Maybe not the numbers. i just give you guys the illustration. So some of these places, just imagine, you stay from Honolulu, walking all the way to Hilo. Hawaiian, you tell me walking all the, Hilo, all the way to Hilo back in the day, for whatever, if it wasn't for the best dope, you're on your own. That's exactly what was happening back then. 
But I just wanted to clarify and, and just bring some, some, something that you can visualize, something that you can hang on to as we journey through the text together. Amen? All right. So the first brother I like to look at, the first brother I like us to look at is, um, some of you may know him as Paul, and if you don't really kind of know the, know the story of who he used to be, his name was Saul back then, okay? So I just want to take a look at Paul's life. Let's look at Paul's or Saul's life, and for the sake of this message, let's look at his journey. Acts chapter 7, 54 to 60, we see the first martyr. The first martyr actually means the first person who died because of their religious beliefs, those things that they believed in. So his name was Stephen. Let me read this text over you if you can follow it, if it's on the screen. It says, now when they heard these things, they were enraged. And, they're, and, they're, and they ground their teeth at him. But he, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed, in, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God. And Jesus standing at the right hand of God, and he said, Behold, I see the heavens opened, and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and rushed together at him. Verse 58 says, Then they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had this, he fell asleep. Doesn't that story look familiar? Does it sound just like when Jesus said, Lord, forgive them for they know not what they do? So specifically, I want to look at verse 58. You know, as I stated before, we looked at the martyr. The one who was willing to suffer death rather than renounce his or her faith. In this text, it's Stephen. Acts 8, 1-3 says, And Saul approved of his execution. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Devout men buried Stephen and made great lamentation over him. But Saul was ravaging the church and entering house after house. He dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. Mind you now, Saul was an Akamai brother. He's pretty intelligent. You can even say Saul thought what he was doing was right. Even after he agreed and he said, go ahead, go stone this brother. He goes on to ravage churches. Seek men and women for sending to prison. For what? For what they believe? You, me, we deserve for being in prison just by the way we think. And here was this brother looking for men, looking for women. And specifying the way we think is thinking crazy stuff. Thinking sinful stuff. Thinking stuff that God has not called us to do, be, or think. 
When I read this passage, I was blown away. I was like, okay, I went to prison, and I deserve to go to prison. But this brother, again, to remind you, we're talking about Saul before he was Paul. Here's the hope. Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9, verses 1 through 8. But Saul, still breathing threats, still, Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for the letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that he found, that if he found any belonging to the way, believers, men or women, that he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus. And suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Listen to this sign. Listen to this next verse. And he said, Who are you, Lord? It's amazing that right at this time, He fought on. He had an encounter with Christ. Christ told him, what are you doing to me? Why are you persecuting me? Or why are you persecuting my people? And this is what happens. The first thing he said, who are you, Lord? Let that sit on your heart for a minute. What, what is that saying? That's saying somewhere along the line. To call even him Lord. He acknowledged. Here's, here comes the heart change. Here comes the heart change. You ready? And he said, I am Jesus who you are persecuted. Then he says, but rise and enter the city. And you will be told what you are to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless. Hearing the voice but seeing no one. Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were open, he saw nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. Let me ask you this question. And please understand my heart. I'm just passionate about the Lord. You know, I mean, God did great things in my life. And my only love is for, for, for share that and share the hope that he's given to me back to you. You know, and, and all of us, you know, whether it be Kauzi, Kau Marcus, when we sharing the, the sharing the gospel with you is that it will bring hope to you. That no matter what you're going through or who you are, whatever, that Jesus is the answer. Amen. So in this in this particular um, passage or story, as we're looking at, at Saul. And the transformation to where he becomes Paul. I get this one question. As the question was asked to Saul, are we having Saul moments in our life? Is Jesus the Lord? Is God the questions that he's asking me? Is he asking me, Connie, Connie, why are thou persecuting me? Connie, why are you still doing your own thing? Connie, even after you know me, even after you've encountered my love, my grace, my mercy, my forgiveness, 
Is that not enough? All of this pounded on my heart, and this is what I said, you know, how much more, you know, I just, I just started to think about this. Connie, how much more will you continue to do your own thing, live your own way, knowing the outcome of sin will lead you to jail, institutions, or death? But Jesus is the answer. Amen? So this brings us to our, our second point. Call on me. And here's a reality truth. The joy is in the journey, not the destination. You've all heard that. The joy is in the journey, not the destination. So our second point is Jesus is our greatest need. The next story that I want to talk about, or the next sisters that I want to talk about, is two sisters, Mary and Martha, who actually share brothers, whose name is Lazarus. And the reading comes out of the book of John, chapter 11. Being it so long, I'll read most of it over to you and continue to paraphrase mostly everything. But in John, chapter 11, verses 1 through 4, Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with anointment and wiped his feet with her hair whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sister sent him, sent him, sent to him, saying, Lord, him who you love, because Jesus loved Lazarus very much, is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God. So that the Son of God may be glorified through it. John chapter, chapter 11, verse 17 and 27 says, Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus has already been in the tomb for days. Bethany was, in, was near Jerusalem, about two, two miles off. And many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she, she went and met him, but Mary remained seated in the house. Mary said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been there, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives, believes in me, shall never die. Do you believe this? She said, she said to him, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into, the, coming into the world. There's one major question to this whole, this whole deal that came to my mind. Here's a universal question. I don't care if you're from Africa, Cambodia, wherever you come, in whatever language you speak. That one question is this at some point in your life. What is my purpose? Looking at the text. In John 11 verse 4. 
The greatest purpose is that our lives would be lived for the glory of God. Not for ourselves, not for anything else, but for God's glory. And whatever you're going through, for Lazarus, he was sick, he was ill. And they was looking at the illness and not looking at, at God, who, um, Jesus, in such a way that Jesus would be their life. When I looked at this, I said, wow, that was me. That was me. You know, at one point, I would be calling out to God, God, help me from this, heal me from this, save me from this, save me from that. What's my purpose, Lord? Only to find out that in the end, really, that my purpose is that my life would reflect more of God and less of me. In fact, none of me. And that the glory would be for the glory of God. Amen? John chapter 17, verse 3 says, And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Jesus knew that their greatest need was, was not that he would heal them of their physical stuff. That's the bonus. That couldn't happen anyway. That's the relationship. But that their greatest need was to know the one true God. Brothers, sisters, that's our greatest need. That we would truly know God. Amen? So looking back, so looking back and connecting the dots from verses 9 to 10 in Mark chapter 3, we've got to go back. We've got to connect all of this. You know, sometimes we can be over here, but we've got to come all the way back. And this is how we come back. So he says, and he told his disciples to have a boat ready for him. Because of the crowd. Least they crush him. For he had healed many. So that all who had diseases. Pressed around to touch him. So he know. He knew already. What they was coming for. But then he goes on to say. He told them for grab a small boat. Check this out. Right? When I would have my time with Kauzik. When he would teach me about. You know, exegeting the, the text or breaking down the text and under, understanding the text. He would tell me this kind of preach the text, understand what the text is saying, but then also you got to look at what the text is not saying. So when I seen this, I was thinking, okay, he's getting everybody to this small boat. I mean, he's asking the disciples to bring a small boat. We know why. So when they get crushed, let me ask you this question. What was Jesus's, or one of the most important things that Jesus came for, other than dying for your sins, that you may have salvation? What did he do every place he went? He shared the gospel. So I was thinking, he couldn't have shared the gospel to a more effective way than being separated from from the people. Because they only come in for touching. You know. Scripture says, how will they hear if there is no preacher? So when I looked at the, I looked at the text, him being a little bit separated, being in the boat, allowed him the opportunity to share the gospel. 
And this brings us to, to our last point. And our last point says, Jesus provides true freedom. Verse 11 says, And whenever the unclean spirits saw him, they fell down before him and cried out, You are the Son of God. And verse 12 says, And he strictly ordered them to make him known. And finally, this last brother we're going to look at is Samson. Oh, Samson. If, you, if you're familiar with the, with the story of Samson, Samson was, was chosen by God. And I'll go on and read some, some, some of the texts. And um, he was chosen to free God's people, his people. And um, in Judges chapter 3, I mean 13, verse 5, it says, For behold, you shall conceive and bear a son. No razor shall come upon his head, for the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb. And he shall begin to save Israel from the hand of the Philistines. Talking to Samson's mother. Judges 13, 12 to 14 says, And one of Noah said, Now when your words come true, what is to be the child's manner of life is what is his mission. And the angel of the Lord said to Mano, Of all that I said to the woman, let her be careful. She may not eat or of anything that comes from the vine, neither let her drink wine or strong drink. Or eat any unclean thing. All that I commanded her, let her observe. And we know that Delilah, Samson hook up with a chick named Delilah down the line. And we know that she manipulates him and uh, manipulates him. Hawaiian. I don't know about you, but sometimes I stumble over not having teeth. <laughs> so she manipulates Samson by revealing his secret to his strength. So in Judges chapter 16, verse, verses 15 and 17, and she said to him, how can you say, I love you, when your heart is not with me? You have mocked me with these, with these three times, and you have not told me where your greatest strength lies. And when she pressed him hard with her words day after day and urged him, his soul was vexed to death. Verse 17, and he told her, and he told her all of his heart and said to her, a razor has, has never come upon my head, for I have never been a Nazarite to God from my mother, for I have been a Nazarite to God from my mother's womb. If my head is shaved, then my strength will, be, will leave me, and I shall become weak and be like any other man. Samson knew he was chosen. Samson knew why he was chosen. What Samson never knew was how this was going to all go down. Samson never knew that. So at times you see that Samson got impatient. Um, Samson went on to do his, his own thing, you know, um, doing things that he shouldn't have done. You know, ate of the flesh, killed the lion, Come back later, get the honey in the line, eat that, eat that. You know, drinking wine. And then the last one was revealing a secret to his hair. The amazing part to this whole story. At this point, could you imagine? 
the text goes on to talk about, the story goes on to talk about how after he's talking to Delilah, Delilah manipulates this whole thing. She turns around, she goes, she go tell the king, or tell the guy she's sleeping with if you wanted to say that. And all of these things, telling them about the secrets of Samson. After it happens, somebody comes in, cuts his hair, Samson almost strength. They not only cut his hair, they gouge out his two eyes. Could you imagine what Samson was going through at that moment? Knowing that he was chosen, knowing why he was chosen. I was thinking about what words could describe this. Disobedience, nah. It's kind of shallow. Betrayal, nah. Cannot be that. Because he, many times you would see that he would, call on to, he would call on God, Lord, give me strength for this, give me strength for that. So he, he had a relationship with God. How many of us have a relationship with God and still do what we like to do that's against God? Samson had his own demons. Samson had his unclean spirits. Samson had all the things that he knew, but the one thing he knew is he knew he was chosen. My question to you today is, Not that if you know that you are chosen. But if you have a true, genuine relationship with the Lord. Like the people that traveled. Like many people who had all of their different parts of journey. How you have your journey. Could somebody look at you and say, oh, this brother or this sister, they love God. Or they get God in their life. Not so much that you love God. But you get God in your life. The way that you speak. The way that you love people. The way that everything that you share with people is not about you. But it's all about the glory of God. Your demons that you battle with. Whether you fooling around in your relationship. Whether you doing all of these things of the world. Whatever it is. When people look at you in your relationship, can you say that it glorifies God in your life? Here's the reality truth and we'll be Paul. The joy is in the growth of the journey in preparation for the destination. We know for those of us who are true believers, and we have that relationship with Christ. We know where we're going. We're going to heaven. Now, whenever that comes, however that comes, whatever that time comes, it's that time. But what you do now matters. What you do now matters. Your life matters. Wherever you are, whether you, wherever you work, wherever you decide to hang out and spend most of your time, that's your mission field. Love people to the beauty of Christ. Love people to the beauty of Christ. Here are three truths. The gospel unifies all God's people. 
The gospel is the great need, is the greatest need. And the gospel reveals true freedom. You see at the end, Samson, Samson knew he was on done deal. You know, he knew already eyes gouged out, locked up in chains. So he asked, he asked his sister, take me to this, right in the middle of these two pillars where I can touch these two pillars. In the end, all that matters is God's glory. So through the story, even if it meant death in such a crazy way, that's what had to happen. But there is still true freedom in that. Because true freedom is in the gospel. And the gospel is Jesus. Amen? The silent moment for me is um, it's pretty deep. What I mean by that is as we wrap this up right now, this last 35 years, in the beginning, was very, very, um, was very rough. I remember that when was, in my first five years, I thought that I was never going home. I thought that I would never see light. I thought that my life was just going to be prison. And you know what? I was going to take my last breath in prison. If not in prison, then I'd still be in the system. Like you, I was my greatest struggle through my whole journey. A hard head and all like listen. I go to church inside there. I stay in church because I like to be with the other brothers doing illegal stops. You know, but God's grace, he still showed me no come for that. He sent out of people for talk to me, you know, be there for that. I go back to church, things change, I start for listening. But it was, if it wasn't for people that God put in my life, Much love and respect for sharing the gospel with me. I love you, bro. If it wasn't for Brother Kalane, if it wasn't for my own cousin, Tommy Atore, and all these brothers, that had a relationship with Christ. Mind you, many of them had life without parole. God freed my cousin Tommy from life and gave him parole and got him off of parole. And I tell you that, because of that, because of that, because of Jesus giving Tommy true life and true freedom, my cousin Benji sitting with his family right now, right now, he came to the Lord because of Tommy. What a glory it is 
So the life that you live, it's not for nothing. I know some will be stressing on. Whatever it is. The truth of the matter, we let our God be other things other than God. You know? I never come here today, guys, to make you guys feel bad. For real. But when I started to ask God the right questions, I said, I'm tired already. Man, I'm so tired. I'm so tired of feeling empty. Feel like I'm just doing a lot of stuff with no results. Nothing. So one of the best things happened to me. God stripped me from my relationship in the past. Not that she's a bad person. God bless her. But he needed to strip me from the things that I made God in order to be God. I don't know what that is for you. If you're feeling bad, that's not God. Don't feel bad. If you're feeling convicted, that's God. And you know what? The heart check, good stuff. That's good stuff. That's spiritual maturity. That's growing. That's the journey. That's what it's about. And the 35 years, mind you, is, we celebrated that yesterday, but you know what was heavy on my heart? I never go prison because I did something good. And I wanted everybody to know that. We're not celebrating it around all kind of you deserve it. I don't deserve nothing but hell. But praise God for his grace and mercy. And the same is for you. 35 years was 35 years of equipping, of growing, of raising. I hope it'll take you guys 35 years more. And I say this, Hawaiians, ladies, we ladies. I'm not ladies, just because I'm up here looking down. I'm not looking down at you, Hawaiians. We're right here. I love you guys. But my love has no comparisons to the one who is love. And that's God. And that's God. We can go on and talking about the 35 years, whatever, whatever. But in the end, that's Jesus.